Hi. This weekend we celebrate the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came and filled those first believers with the presence of God, as recorded in Acts chapter 2. It was the fulfillment of a promise that God had given to his people long before. And it was the promise that Jesus referred to when he told his disciples that they would be baptized in the Holy Spirit and would be empowered to be his witnesses. But it wasn't just for them. As Peter told the crowd afterwards, it was a promise for all who would turn to Jesus to have their sins forgiven. But what's it like to be filled with the Spirit? And how does it empower us? A little later on, I'll share a bit of my own story. But first, let me share an illustration that you may have heard from me before. It's from one of the great English Puritans, uh, Thomas Goodwin, who was born in 1600 and he became president of Magdalen College in Oxford. He describes a man with his little child walking down the road and they're walking hand in hand and the child knows that he is the child of his father and he knows that his father loves him and he's happy in that. You know, there's no uncertainty about it at all. But suddenly, the father takes hold of that child and he picks him up and he gives him this great big hug and kisses him and embraces him and showers his love upon him and then he puts him back down again and they go on walking together. You see, that's it, right? The child already knew that his father loved him, but there was this extra outpouring of love that the child experienced, that he felt, right? That left him in no doubt how much his father must love him. And according to Thomas Goodwin and later commentators like Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, it's that special outpouring of love, this uh, assurance of the Father's love, that is the outstanding characteristic of the baptism with the Holy Spirit. That's what it means to be filled with the Spirit. That's what empowers us to be His witnesses. And that's what I want us to see in the Scriptures today. I want to I make a case for this because I really do believe that this is our greatest need right now. When did you last experience that? In fact, have you ever experienced God's love in that way? Uh, in the way that the Apostle Paul describes in Romans 5 verse 5, where he says God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who is given to us. Paul uses those words deliberately. You know, he's not uh, content to say that God's love has been sent into our hearts. He says it's been poured, shed abroad into our hearts. It's a kind of gushing forth. It's a, it's a strong term that he uses. As J.I. Packer commented, he's not talking about faint impressions there, but deep, overwhelming ones. What do you know of that? You see, we may all know from Scripture that God loves us. But that's different from being overwhelmed by an experience of his love being poured into our hearts. Like that father picking up his child, hugging him and kissing him. Many Christians seem content to know that they've been forgiven and that one day they'll be with God in heaven. But Christ's death and resurrection has accomplished so much more for us than that. Listen to what Paul wrote in Galatians 4. He says, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. 
The Bible depicts all of mankind as in slavery to sin. You know, we were all found wanting, uh, pronounced guilty and under the sentence of death according to God's law. But praise God, he sent his son to redeem us. And why? So that we could be forgiven and free? Yes, but it's so much more than that. Right? What does Paul say there? It's so that we might receive adoption as sons, so that we might be adopted as his sons and daughters. You know, being forgiven and made right with God is an amazing thing, but being adopted as his children with all the privileges of being heirs and co-heirs with Christ, how much greater is that? Now, many of us are still trying to get our heads around that, you know, understanding our new identity as sons and daughters of God, chosen by him, eternally loved by him, so that nothing will ever separate us from his love. And, you know, we spend time Sunday after Sunday proclaiming those great truths and rejoicing in them. But here's the thing. It doesn't end there. There is more. Because after Galatians 4, verse 5, there comes verse 6. And because your sons... It's because we are sons and daughters that God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Now, let me just be clear. We cannot be sons and daughters of God without the spirit. Right? It's the spirit who causes us to be born again as God's children. As Paul says in Romans 8, 9, anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. Right? If you're a child of God, if you belong to him, then you have the spirit of Christ in you. Every believer, every child of God has his spirit dwelling in them. But it's because we are his sons and daughters that God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. You see, that is something else. It's something more. There is a sending, something that takes place in our hearts, something we can experience that results in an almost uh, involuntary response that kind of wells up from within as the Spirit enables us to experience God's love so we can't help but to cry out, Abba, Father, like that little child being picked up and hugged and kissed so he cries out, I love you, Daddy. What do you know of that in your own life? It's the Holy Spirit who enables us to have such a rich and intimate relationship with God the Father, where we can know that we are loved, not just because the Bible tells us so, but because the Spirit enables us to have a profound and even overwhelming experience of his love. We see this foreshadowed in the Old Testament, where David, who had been anointed with the Spirit, talks about experiencing God's love. In Psalm 63, when he was in a desert place, he wrote about longing for God. His soul thirsted after him. But how would God satisfy his hunger and thirst? David writes there, he says, Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. My soul will be satisfied as with the richest of foods. Did you know that spiritual food is just as real as physical food? It satisfies us in a way that cannot be satisfied with anything physical. If you are feeling empty, uh, restless, weary, dissatisfied, you need soul food. And I'm not talking about fried chicken, right? I'm talking about drinking in God's love, experiencing his love, flooding your soul, right? Being poured into your heart. Your love is better than life, says David. Is that true for you? When did you last experience his love being poured into your heart? Will you ask him today? Lord, I thirst after you. I want to know you more, to know more of your love. Will you fill me with your spirit? 
I'll pray for us at the end. Uh, but it's because of the Spirit coming on the day of Pentecost that this is something we can all now experience. All who belong to God have been given this promise. But it's not just for our benefit, right? That's the next thing I want us to see. You know, the primary purpose of Jesus sending the Spirit to fill us in this way was so that we might be empowered to be his witnesses. I'm sure many of you might know the story of the great evangelist of the 19th century, D.L. Moody, who got to a point in his Christian life when he was spiritually thirsty, like David, longing for God, crying out to him to fill him with his spirit. And this is what he says happened. One day he says, in the city of New York, oh, what a day. I cannot describe it. I can only say God revealed himself to me and I had such an experience of his love. I had to ask him to stay his hand. It was overwhelming, right? He was a different man after that. He didn't do anything differently, but when he spoke about Jesus, thousands were converted. He'd received power to be a witness for Jesus. Howell Harris experienced the same thing. He was a Welshman that God used mightily alongside John Wesley and George Whitfield in the First Great Awakening. And it was about three weeks after his conversion, when he knew his sins had been forgiven, that he set aside time to pray and read the scriptures. And according to his journal, it was then that the love of God came upon him in wave after wave after wave, he says. His biographer said love burst forth into a flame which melted his whole nature. And it was from that day on they became such an outstanding witness for the gospel. You see, that's what I believe happened on the day of Pentecost, when they were all filled with the Spirit and started praising God in languages they'd never learned. It was a miraculous thing. But the point is they were overflowing in praise to God. They had an experience they couldn't contain. They were overwhelmed. Some people said they're drunk, but it wasn't on alcohol. I think they were just drunk on God's love. Right? They just experienced the love of God being poured into their hearts by the Holy Spirit. God sent the Spirit of His Son into their hearts and it caused them to cry out in love and praise to their Father in heaven. And it drew a crowd. So that when Peter got up and told them what had happened, 3,000 people put their trust in Jesus. Right? Peter had been empowered to be His witness. And then Peter told them, this promise of the Holy Spirit is for all of you as well. It's for all of us. And it's not just a one-time thing either. It's not like the wife who says to her husband after 20 years of marriage, you know, you never tell me that you love me anymore. And the husband replies, I told you that I loved you when we got married. If I change my mind, I'll let you know. No, God's not like that, right? He wants us to know his love day by day by day. It's actually something that God has been speaking to us about recently in both of our church congregations, that our Heavenly Father is wanting us to experience His love. He wants us to receive His love, and perhaps in greater measure than we've ever known before. It's why the Apostle Paul prayed for the church in Ephesus, in Ephesians 3, that they might have power to know this love, the length and the breadth, the height and the depth of it, that they might be filled with this love that surpasses knowledge, he says. And then a little later in chapter 5, he tells them to walk in this love. Don't, don't live like the rest of the world does, he says, but be filled with the Spirit. Or in other words, go on being filled with the Spirit. 
Because you see, it's the Spirit who empowers us to live for Christ, to be his witnesses as he fills us with God's love. Amy Carmichael was a well-known missionary from Ireland who served in India for 55 years. She opened an orphanage there and started a ministry rescuing girls from temple prostitution. She also wrote several books that inspired a young Jim and Elizabeth Elliot to give their lives to overseas mission. But she saw her work as the result of God's love flowing through her. In one poem, she wrote this, Love through me, love of God, there is no love in me. O fire of love, light thou the love that burns perpetually. And then in the last verse, she says, O blessed love of God, that all may taste and see how good thou art. Once more, I pray, love through me, even me. She said, I think of the love of God as a great river pouring through us, even as the waters pour through our ravine at flood time. Nothing can keep this love from pouring through us, except, of course, our own blocking of the river. And sometimes, you know, there can be things that do hinder us from receiving God's love and can block the flow of that river. Unforgiveness would certainly be one blockage. Guilt and shame can also hinder us from receiving because, you know, we might feel undeserving, unworthy. Maybe you feel that way about yourself. You know, you don't feel that you can be loved or that you should be loved. But that's when we need to look to the cross and realize that even when we were still sinners, you know, undeserving, unworthy enemies of God, that Christ died for us. That's where we see how much God loves us, that he sent his son to redeem us, and he did it to, re to remove all of our guilt, all of our shame, past, present, and future. He covered it all. He paid for it all with his own blood, and he did it because of love, because of his love for you. Listen to what Zephaniah says to Israel that I think could apply to every one of us. In uh, 3.17, it says, The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will take great delight in you. He will quiet you by his love. He will exult over you with loud singing. Right? Listen, the Lord takes great delight in you. It doesn't say he takes delight in what you do. Now he takes delight in you, in who you are. He sent his son Jesus to redeem you so that you might be adopted as his son, as his daughter. He delights in you. You might say, but Lord, I'm, I'm not worthy. I've messed up. I failed you. I didn't pray enough. I've not been a good witness. But listen, the Father God isn't listening to your excuses. How do I know that? because it says he's too busy rejoicing over you with his singing, right? He is singing over you loudly. He quietens you with his love. So often we're like the prodigal son in Luke 15 who had seriously messed up, sinned against his father, but he decided to go back home. And he knew already what he was going to tell his father. He had already rehearsed the speech, you know, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But even when he was a long way off, his father, who must have been looking for him, saw him and was filled with love and compassion for him. And he ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son tries to tell him that he's unworthy, but the father isn't listening. He says, bring the best robe, bring a ring for his finger, kill the fatted calf, we're going to celebrate. 
It's like he's singing over him with joy. And that's how he feels about you. Like a father embracing and kissing his child. He wants you to experience his love. He wants to fill you with his spirit so you can receive his love today. Perhaps it's not unworthiness or shame that's hindering you. Perhaps it's your emotions. That was me, right? I had a, I had a happy enough childhood, but like so many families, mine became broken when my father left. It became dysfunctional, abusive. That's what I experienced all through my teenage years. Uh, you know, I think I must have put up uh, walls uh, to protect myself emotionally. I became a Christian when I was at college through the witness of a friend, and I, I came to see that Jesus was real. I mean, I believed he'd been risen from the dead. I was very much aware of God's presence in my life, guiding me, uh, speaking to me. I had no problem relating to God as my father, and yet I knew there was more. I'd read about being filled with the Spirit, and I wanted that. It was around uh, the mid-1980s and a man called John Wimber was visiting from California and speaking at various places in England and many in my church went to hear him and he spoke about the Father's love and many were getting filled with the Spirit and experiencing what I've been talking about today and then they would share about it in our Sunday meetings and for a while each week at the end of the meeting they would invite other people to come up and receive prayer to be filled and so I would go up and get prayed for, but I felt nothing. Now, I know that there are degrees of experience. You know, it doesn't always have to be overwhelming. Uh, it's not the same every time, and it's not the same for everyone. Uh, but I was feeling nothing. And then one person who was praying for me shared a picture that they felt God had given them. Uh, it was of a, a nut. In fact, I seem to remember them saying to me, you know, you're a hard nut to crack. But they said, every time I received prayer and asked God to fill me, it was like a drop of oil came on that nut. It wasn't a great flood. It was a drip, drip, drip. And the nut grew softer and softer until it was saturated. I can't tell you how much that helped me to receive I knew the Holy Spirit was working in me. Even though I didn't feel strong impressions, it was a gradual thing as those walls that I put up to protect myself gradually came down through the power of God's love. Now, I'm sure there's still lots more to be done in me, but I can tell you that there have been times since when God's Spirit has filled me to overflowing, where I have been overwhelmed by a sense of his presence and love, a burning deep within, a feeling like butterflies in your belly that comes in waves where you find yourself breathing deeply, drinking uh, in his presence, your heart being enlarged until you can't help but to speak out your praise and your heartfelt prayers and longings to God. Have you ever experienced that? Maybe you did a long time ago. Well, he wants to renew you in his love today. Perhaps, like me, you're a hard nut to crack, but God's love will find a way. Do you want to receive his love? It's his promise to you. To all who believe in Jesus, it's what he wants for you. You are his child. He wants you to experience his love. So let's come to him now and ask Jesus to fill us with his spirit. If you're on your own, just take a moment now to, just to sit and receive. Or if you're in a group listening to this, maybe just all close your eyes right now and receive from him, okay?
Let's just pray. Lord Jesus, you said if anyone is thirsty, Lord, that they should come to you and drink. And Lord, we do. We come to you now. We are thirsty. Lord, will you fill us with your spirit? Just ask him right now. Lord, please fill me with your spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Come and fill us, we pray. I pray for each one listening today that right where you are, you would receive the spirit. Be filled with the spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. Let the love of God be poured into your heart by the Spirit. Receive the Father's love. Receive his love right now. Let wave upon wave of his love flood your soul. Receive his love, filling you to overflowing. Just begin to praise him, just under your breath. Thank your Father, thank him for his love. Thank you, Lord. I love you, Lord. And why don't you just continue to drink in his love? God bless you. And may his great love, this great river of his love, flow through you to bring his blessing to the world around you.